Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. New domestic violence measures announced by Minister for Justice Charlie Flanagan last year came into force in January under the Domestic Violence Act 2018 with the aim of improving the protections available to victims of domestic violence under both civil and criminal law. A new offence of coercive control that's a pattern of intimidation or humiliation involving psychological or emotional abuse, came into force. Under the Domestic Violence Act, safety orders will also be available to those who are in intimate relationships but who are not cohabiting. And there are new rules around barring orders. But are there sufficient resources in place to police the new laws? I'm joined now by Gillian Dennehy, Services Manager at Women's Aid, and Ursula Regan, a family law practitioner, to explain what the new provisions mean for domestic violence victims and how they should be enforced. Now listen up, because there's some very interesting stuff in here. Ursula. Morning. These provisions commenced on the 1st of January. Um, Domestic Violence Act 2018. Can you tell me, in very simple terms, what it means Well, in simple terms, it's an extension of the existing legislation and it's a recognition by the authorities that given the changes in society, that legislation has to constantly be looked at for the purposes of updating and also taking account of the, for instance, the explosion in social media and how that can be used or abused for the purposes of continuing to abuse victims of domestic violence. The main areas um, that are have been introduced within this new act is to extend the eligibility for people coming before the court to apply for protection order, safety order or barring order. And the extension of the existing legislation, for instance, to people who are in a, a relationship, a dating relationship, and that's a very significant amendment in this act. In addition to that, it has introduced different factors for courts now to take into account when they're considering an application under the domestic violence legislation for protection order, barring or safety order. It has widened the grounds of what judges consider to be uh, relevant to the application that is before the court. It has also, um, this new act has also brought into account the voice of the child who is caught within a domestic violence situation being an influence to applications for orders and allows, although 
And that's grossly under-resourced allows for the voice of the child to be heard. And that part is new, Ursula, is it allowing well, the voice a, of the child to be Well, there was a constitutional heard? amendment uh, a short while ago to um, allow for the voice of the child before the court, but this is very specific in how it's done in terms of a report to be done for the court or in the alternative if the child is of a sufficient age for a child to come and talk to a judge. Okay. Gillian, is this have 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 we made it? Is 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 this is this finally what what we all needed to hear? Um, it's it's a great um, um, it's a great uh, start. Um, it's a great extension. I mean, like the thing is, let's look at it in terms of like a woman coming into the court. Um, so I actually, you know, started with Women's Aid back in April, and I was in the in in the UK. And so when I came here in April, you know, I was really surprised to see that in the legislation. um, So a woman, you know, came into us, let's say, in our drop in service. um, She was experiencing abuse um, from her ex-partner who was harassing her, stalking her, following her. Um, And she was kind of going, I've gone to the guards. um, You know, they're not able to do anything under, you know, harassment. um, And she wasn't able to get a protection order. So now under this legislation, that woman can come. Um, into the court and she's able to get that protection order. But not only that as well, I think, you know, it's a great, it's a really welcome benefit as well that now in the Act as well, you know, it's prohibiting um, someone from following you and from being near your home and from communicating with you as well electronically. Um, And that's like, you know, it's just, you know, catching up with the modern age. I mean, how do most people communicate now? I know I hardly make a a phone call anymore. (laughs) I'm really bad for that now. It's all through text, WhatsApp. Um, And so now that woman that I'm talking about who came into us in the courts can now come to the court, get a protection order and that protection order can say that he is not to follow her, he's not to be near her home or he's not to communicate with her and that means when she goes back to the Gardaí with that protection order, as long as it's served on him um, and, and if, he, if he has communicated with her, it's a breach of that order and it's a criminal offence and they can act immediately to go and arrest him. Absolutely. And that's the protection that we're talking about, that was the protection that we needed. It is because yeah. I think I may be wrong, Ursula, but up to up to up to this, unless something actually happened to the woman, unless she was physically attacked or something, the guards could do nothing. Am I right about that? If she said she was being followed or harassed electronically or whatever. There was very little um, that could be done. And certainly this uh, act extends coverage and affords greater protection. But what we do need um, Legislation is great and this is advanced legislation, it is strong legislation. Legislation is as good as its enforceability and it's as good as the systems that support it. And if there aren't proper systems in place to support it, it is not going to work. And in terms of enforceability, what we need is a cohesive approach by the Garda Siakona. Uh, in order to deal with reports of breaches uh, and also in circumstances where uh, members of Angarda Shikon are often the first responders to an incident of domestic violence. And there is a very different approach taken by different Garda stations in relation to uh, complaints of breaches. And it would really assist if we had a, a cohesive approach. I thought, Gillian, that had been sorted. I thought that people like you went down to Templemore and lectured these young people about the nature of domestic violence. Is that still so random? 
it is unfortunately still so random. Um, you know, the women that we work with, some of them have really, really good guard responses. Mm. Um, the guards, you know, they, they recognise the seriousness of the, that it's, it is a breach, it is a criminal offence. They take a statement and they go and arrest. Um, but unfortunately, um, a, lot of the, a lot of times what we do see is a lack of communication. Um, so so that someone, you know, goes in, maybe a statement's not even taken from them. Um, you know, so they're trying to kind of get somebody to take a statement from them. So then that they go out and try and arrest somebody, um, the, the abuser. And often, um, you know, they're kind of saying, oh, we don't have a car or, you know, they don't have the resources to go out and arrest him or they can't find him. Um, you know, so it's kind of really a lack of resources of, of, you know, people on the ground to be able to kind of go out, find him, arrest him, be creative in how you're going to find him and making sure that if there's a breach, he's arrested because that's the only way somebody will learn we have to remember abusers are repeat offenders yeah so if he thinks oh this is just a piece of paper it is only a piece of paper unless as Ursula said you know we have the guards reacting you know arresting for those breaches otherwise it doesn't work I remember working with somebody who the you know the abuser you know he just kept coming to her door you know at her door she had an order she'd ring up you know, the guards came arrested him, guards came arrested him, guards came arrested him. You know, that's unfortunately sometimes what needs to happen with some of these abusers to say, no, you're not going to get away with this. We have to hold you to account. Um, and so it, it, it does need to be that everyone, you know, that all works, that, you know, the women know that this is available to them and that the judges know, um, you know, that judges understand it and, you know, with the dangers and grant the orders. And at the end of the day, then as well, that the, the guards are informed and trained and recognise the abuse and risk as well and have the resources as well to go and do what they their job really, you know, as well. Arsila, how high is the bar of evidence here? I mean, I happen right now to know of a young woman who has two children by this guy who's who's unfortunately got addiction problems, but she is actually frightened of him. Now, he hasn't done anything, but he turns up outside her house. He texts her. They've had rows in front of the kids and she's becoming a little bit frightened of him. He hasn't laid a finger on anyone so far. Would that apply in this case? Well, people don't have to be hit or assaulted to be domestically abused. People can be frightened because of behaviour and the threats of behaviour. And because now this act, this new act, extends what judges can consider to be appropriate for the court to consider in making a decision, that behaviour can be gone through and set out in detail. The difficulty, the nature of domestic violence applications before our district courts are that they are quite arbitrary and a short period of time for the court to deal with it because the courts have a huge volume of work before them on each day. And if you look at, just in practical terms, Dolphin House, which would be the court of first instance for most people, uh, have four That's courts. The family, that are, court. the family law courts. Yeah. They have four courts that are sitting on a daily basis and those courts list between 12 and 15 cases per court Per day. Now, they're not all domestic violence, but they're all family law. So you get a very short period of time in which to make your case. So it is very important for women who are going in to be prepared and to set out the grounds of what, why they are concerned. And certainly if you have a relationship or a past relationship with somebody who has an addiction, that is something that the court will now take very serious note of and have a greater understanding of the concerns that woman has for her safety and the well-being of her children. Gillian, in terms of the the 
day-to-day effect of this now. Is the message getting out? Or can you run a national campaign? Can you be very sort of express this in simple terms where women will see it? How can you go about this? Do you have do you have the resources to to publicize this for a start? Um well, you know, resort unfortunately um resources are really tight um, in terms for specialist services to run awareness campaigns. It seems to be the last thing that um funders want to to resource really, um, which is really unfortunate. Um you know, we we really? are why is it the last thing they want to resource? Well, I guess it's, I suppose it's, it's first of all, you know, bodies on the ground, you know, doing the direct work. And I think the awareness and campaign work gets a bit left behind and the policy work as well that organisations do. And sometimes as well, maybe it's kind of like, oh, we're going to subsume it under a statutory organisation to do that, will do that work. Rather than, I think, not really, you know... Um, you know, I suppose honouring the experience of specialist services. Why are we there? You know, why are specialist services on the ground? Where do we come from? We came from the grassroots because of that need for our specialist and expert knowledge of working with women day to day who are experiencing domestic abuse. But we are actually um, running um, a two into you campaign um, and we launched it there on Valentine's Day on the 14th. Um, and basically what we're doing with that campaign is we're, we're trying to... Um, let women know, um, and it's particularly it's, it's targeted at younger women to let them know that now, look, you know, you, even if you're not living with somebody, you can go and you can get protection. OK, you can go to the courts and can get a protection order, which is the temporary order. And it's the interim order until, you you know, the date of the safety order. OK, and that is there and that is available for you, which it wasn't there before. Um, and we're also um, women will be able to download an accessible guide um, on our two into you dot ie. Um, and that's is, the is website. That, is, that, is that the digit two or is it TWO? TWO. Uh, into you dot ie right um, and so that you know we're hoping um, that will you know uh, let women kind of see it as accessible they can share it with their friends and they can you know get the conversation going um, to say okay actually this behaviour because a lot of time you know women um, don't know that that the behaviour is wrong um, because I suppose we have to remember as well that sometimes you're in it before you know it um, and that's what I you know really really unexplained sometimes women are just in it and then and all of a sudden they're they're trapped they feel trapped um, and. Um, and that's a big thing, you know, I suppose, you know, the legislation um, now creates an offensive coercive control. And a big thing of coercive control is that feeling of entrapment, you know, and that there's no way out um, and a real fear, you know, as well. And a kind of not knowing that, like what the behaviours that they're doing, it's very confusing. Um, so, for example, you know, the, you know, subtle ways to isolate you from friends and family, um, making you feel, you know, bad all the time, um, making you feel that you're not good enough, you're not worthwhile, you know. Um, that's a, that's so interesting, um, Ursula, because coercive control is, is is hard to get your head around as as a as a legal as a, you know, as, as, a, as a matter of justice, as something you go to court over. Say, for example, a man or indeed a woman is taking away your money, says every time you come into the house, I want that money. Is that, con- is that coercive control? It, it certainly is one of the elements of coercive control and financial abuse is something now very specifically set out within this new act that judges can consider again as another grounds in relation to o- overall behaviour of the perpetrator and what the sum total of it leads to at the end of the day. I think from the point of view of this legislation, it is 
unfortunate that there isn't a proper definition of coercive uh, behaviour or coercive control, but there is particularly good definitions within a document that was prepared by the British Home Office and certainly for my own applications to court, that is what I would be using. And what we have to understand as practitioners, as the judiciary, as people that are involved in organisations that assist victims of domestic violence is that victims of domestic violence are traumatised, they're confused. They've quite a difficult system to navigate through the court. They need explanation, they need time and they need somebody to take them through what are the grounds because very often people who are in the most horrendously abusive relationships don't see the abuse for what it is because they are so conditioned, they're so used to it. And you would have, for instance, I as a practitioner, clients sitting in front of me who will say, I have to try and keep the children quiet when he comes home from work because if they're crying, he's going to get upset. He's going to say he's had a long day, he's tired and I'm going to get hit. And you have to unpick all of that and try without being any way judgmental because none of us can be to get people to the view that that is neither acceptable nor normal. And not only is it impacting on them, it is impacting on the children of the relationship. And Gillian, in terms of how these women access help, are they likely to ring you up? Are they likely to have a eureka moment and ring you up? Or how does this happen? Um, well, we work where women are at, and women can be at many different uh, stages when they when they they call us. Um, and some women, for some women who ring the helpline, um, it's the first time they've actually talked to anybody about it. You know, um, they might have talked to friends or family, but often to friends or family, it's like a little bit, a little snippet of everything. Oh, you know, he got a bit angry last night, or he, you know, he did that, and you know, the friends from you know they might kind of offer some advice, you know, like normal relationship advice, not re- actually getting the whole picture of what's going on. But often when they ring the helpline, they kind of, you know, I've had like many conversations, um, you know, with women um, where they're kind of saying, yeah, look, you know, there was, you know, he was really angry. But, you know, I was angry, too. And I shouted back. And it's just to really remember as well that women aren't passive. You know, when, you know, women are survivors. You know, um, if you get shouted at, you know, you're probably going to shout back. But what I suppose what women tend to learn um, throughout the relationship is that actually when they shout back or when they try and, you know, fight back or do things differently, it doesn't work. It leads to more risk for them. Um, it can lead to physical abuse. So often what happens is that then he gets, you know, complete control over that person, you know, um, and because it's kind of like or else, you know, if, 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 if you don't do what I say to do, this is going to happen. And what we kind of talk to women about is kind of saying, um, and also, sorry, what, what abusers do is they also, you know, blame the woman. You know, they'll keep putting the blame on you. Well, look, you were drunk last night. Do you not remember? Do you not remember everything you said to me? And, you know, you're an awful mother or you're an awful, you know, you're not girlfriend. I'm going through all this. I'm so stressed. You know, I'm going through all this. And what are you doing for me? You know, what about me? So they kind of, you know, really, you know, put the blame on the woman. And we're often, one, yes. yeah, we're often saying to women, we, I often have lots of conversations kind of saying, talking to women about, no, you're not to blame. 
you know you did nothing wrong his behavior is wrong and that's what's really really important to communicate his behavior is wrong you have done nothing wrong you do not deserve this abuse and if any woman's listening now you do not deserve this abuse you know and when you ring us we'll talk to you about it and we're there where it's a confidential it's anonymous because that's really really important because sometimes women just want to go right i'm not really sure i'm worried i'm a bit frightened ring us up talk to us you know and you don't have to give your name you can call yourself whatever name you want you know um we don't mind we just want you you know to be there and to be able to listen to you and for somebody to you know to talk to you and say that no it's wrong you know and then women can kind of see oh actually it is wrong this behavior isn't right and i'm not to blame and they kind of start you know start really thinking about that and kind of going no i don't deserve this and then kind of it's about okay but like you know i'm financially dependent on him where do i go i'm now isolated from friends and family and so that's where you know our support services one to one support services that are all around the country and women's aid also in dublin you know we can you know walk that journey with women and help them to kind of access whatever financial um and legal res- support and resources they need and walk that journey and that's why specialist services are so important you know arsela a few last questions um there's going to be out of hours special sittings or have they started at the district courts to provide for orders in, in, in emergency situations? There is provision under the Act for it. I certainly don't know anything as of yet. Um, it's discretionary to the guard that would be uh, the application would be made to. But again, like other um, new matters that have been introduced in this Act, it is to be welcomed because it is an indication that government and powers that be take it seriously. Uh, however, resourcing it and having systems in place uh, in relation to it is another day's work. But there are no, there is no doubt that, and I mean, there would be not a very large number of cases that would require such coverage. Um, but there are women at risk of being murdered. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And the statistics in terms of the number of women that are murdered in any one given year in Ireland uh, are unacceptably high. So you would hope that guards with training that can see very imminent danger will use this particular section in the Act to have an out-of-hours sitting because you can't have a crisis after five o'clock in the evening and you certainly can't have one over the weekend. And just as a slight extension of that, another very good new introduction in this Act is the fact that if there is a breach of a protection order, safety order or barring order, and there is a prosecution, that hearing will now be heard in camera. Heretofore, it was not and it meant that people were readily identified, named in the paper. And that was a deterrent in many cases for people pursuing a breach of such orders. So it's a very welcome amendment to the Act. So in camera means that you're behind closed no, doors? Nobody el- there, there is yes. nobody else in the court for it. Last question, um, Gillian. The Sentencing Watch project, mm. which is, is Women's Aid pursuing this this. We are indeed, yeah, and we're hoping to. We are hoping to launch our report um, in September, um, this year. And basically, um, you know, the I'm, I don't know if sorry, if I'm not sure if you're aware, but the the act, um, you know, is introduced that it's now an aggravating factor, um, in sentencing if you're in an intimate relationship, um, because what we saw in our femicide work is was that um, men um were being um who were in intimate. 
uh, partners were being um, sentenced for three years less um, than other men who killed women. Um, and so what that kind of showed to us was that, okay, actually being in an intimate partner and, ki- and, and doing any offence was actually a mitigating factor. Um, and I suppose that really, you know, what, what, what does that tell us? It kind of tells us about society's view of, of intimate partner abuse and of domestic abuse, you know. It's like, oh, let's leave it behind closed doors, literally, like let's not get involved. And then, that, you know, it does leak into the, how the family courts and how the criminal courts work. Um, and so it's a really welcomed by us that it's now an aggravating factor. Um, so, then, so basically, if, for example, um, an intimate partner um, is charged with an assault um, against, you know, his partner, then that is an aggravating factor and he should get a harsher sentence than, than, than if they're non-partners, basically. Um, and that's really, really welcome because that's because I guess, again, as what I said, is that um, abusers um, are repeat offenders. Yeah, so this assault isn't a one-off incident. But you're know? going to be watching, Julian. Yeah, we are, and that's exactly it. The sentencing watch will watch it. Um, we'll see, you know, does it have any impact on the sentencing in the criminal courts? Well, that will um, be the, the, the test that will prove everything. Ursula, thank you so much for coming in. Julian. good luck with the work. Thank you. We'll, thank t- you. we'll talk soon again, I hope. That's all we have time for today. Thanks to our guests, Gillian Dennehy and Ursula Regan, for shedding some light on these very important new laws. The Women's Aid 24-hour National Free Phone Helpline is 1-800-341-900 and it offers confidential information, support and understanding to women in the Republic of Ireland who are being abused by current or former boyfriends, partners or husbands. Remember, you can subscribe to the Women's Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps. And you can always find us on irishtimes.com. Today's podcast was produced by Roisin Ingle and by Jennifer Ryan, with JJ Vernon on sound. I'm Cathy Sheridan, and until next time, thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.